0: Of the universe, we come to you confessing our stubborn ways to your rule in our lives. We admit that as personal representatives of you and your kingdom, we have at times folded. In a world screaming out for answers, there have been too many times we have stuttered and have been paralyzed to give a witness. We confess that we get going along in the barrenness of busyness that deadens the pain of the emptiness and shallowness of our world, so filled with trivial pursuits that we lose touch with what is really important. Lord, we want to make a difference in your internal kingdom. Our attempts seem to continually miss the mark. It is because you don't want our attempts, it is our hearts that desire to be willing to release your Holy Spirit so that the transformations can take place within us. Jesus, we are now open to be released by your forgiveness and poised to do whatever you call us to do today. In your name we pray all of this. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning comes from Isaiah 43 verses 24 and 25. You have not brought me a fragrant incense or pleased me with the fat from sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and worried me with your faults. I, yes I alone, am the one who blots out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Our guidelines for living this morning is from the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 122. What does the first request mean? Hallowed be your name means, help us to really know you, to bless, worship, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised.
1: Thank you, Scott. Continue to join us as we sing together our chorus. Let's stand together if you can, and let's sing together. Aber time, we'll receive our tithes and offerings. Steve, would you like to share with us the history behind the Battle Hymn of the Republic? The Battle Hymn of the Republic was written by Julia Ward Howe in 1862. The author wanted to use different words to the tune of John Brown's Body, which was a familiar marching song during the Civil War. While the words were written hastily, scholars have attributed the text to the last line of Psalm 76 which says, He breaks the spirit of rulers, He is feared by the kings of the earth. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for those who put their lives on the line for this freedom and also for the blessing that you've given to us, that we can be free and independent and to do and worship you wherever we want. We praise you for the beautiful country that we do have. And we thank you, Lord, for these gifts that folks give in order to give glory to your name and that the spread of the gospel will take place in Wichita and around the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this.
2: Amen. His truth is marching on
1: Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that we can come to you today in the freedom and to be able to pray to you as we wish. And especially, Lord, to come before you with such a long list. So we thank you for the independence that this country has. And that, Lord, we pray especially for those who live in other countries that don't have the privilege that we have. We pray especially for our country. We pray for our president and for congress and for all the branches and all the people that serve in government that you'll give them wisdom and understanding of what the early fathers of this nation had envisioned and also to the trust that they had in you christ and also the love that they had for you and this country and i pray lord that you'll give them wisdom and that they'll seek your will and not their own we pray especially to father god for our city and for the troubling spots that we have here of shootings and drive-bys and robberies and violent crime and it's all over our nation and we ask you God for the world to come to understand and for the church to rise up and bring morals back to the, the streets and to help young men and women to understand how to live civilly and how to live in a way that's pleasing to your sight God we pray especially too for those who are on our watch list and sick list We bring about, especially about Frank Wonka, who's on hospice right now. I just prayed for him uh, that he'll be comfortable, Lord, and as he waits for your coming, Lord, uh, that you'll be with him and be by his side. We pray for his family, for his wife, Carol, as she ministers unto him and as she loves him and as his children come by and they say goodbye to him, Lord, that you'll be with them. We pray also to Father God, for Betty, for her leg that will continue to heal. Be with Howard, too, her husband, and some of the pains that he's got right now. I pray also for Lucille and for uh, her health condition and for Kay. I pray also, too, for um, Mary and also Joyce and their pain in the backs that they're struggling with right now and how that you can bring relief to them. I pray also, too, Father God, for our Brother Don, whose back has been operating and continues to heal, uh, bring healing to him and bring strength. Pray also to Father God for um, Susie. I Pray also for my cousin Tom's kid um, as he continues to recover from his liver surgery and is back in the pulpit. We praise you for that. I pray also to Father God for those who are struggling with addictions. Uh, we have people that we love that are dealing with it, Lord. And I pray for Ryan and Jordan and David and Brady and Eric and Ricky. I pray for her family last night that I had to go to see with her son passed away, Lord, just be with them in their grief and whatever the cause that was, Father. And Father, for other situations that we have on our mind, that people that we're concerned about, Lord, Lord, hear our prayers as we lift them up. And now, Father, minister to us through your word. Teach us what we need to hear. In Jesus' name. Where do you go when you need some help? When you're up against something really hard to handle, where do you go? Where do you go when those times get really tough and you need the help that you can get from no other source? I was reading about a young man who was on a motorcycle and a BMW pulled in front of him and he had to lay it down and was caught underneath the BMW and Thank the Lord that there were construction workers nearby who saw it. And he was yelling for help and then pick up his, the BMW and pull him out from underneath that BMW as that motorcycle's gas leaked and caught on fire and the BMW and the motorcycle were on fire. And how they picked it up and saved his life and dragged him out. The other day I was in Jason's Deli. Friday, in fact, and as I was walking along the long line there to get online, a lady that I had helped out three years ago saw me and spotted and waved and smiled and we talked. She had told me what she had done about the decision that we I helped her make, but also too, that in her retirement, she began to not feel well, and uh, about... Two months ago, she went for scans and found out that her whole body was filled with cancer. And she asked me if I would pray for her. The Bible tells us that there are many times that we need God's help. In fact, all the time. The psalmist speaks about it tenderly. The Lord is my refuge and my strength in whom I stand. Again, he says, you're my hiding place. You're my righteousness. And there's times that we face things in our lives, whether they're in the future, that are uncertain. Things that we don't want to have to deal with. College graduate who doesn't have a job and can't find one. Or a man laid off from work. Or that terrible diagnosis that my friend got or that accident that caused injuries that can't put you back to work. Or aging parents and how to deal with their health and with limited funds for them. Or children who have destructive behaviors or we face a pandemic and we hear of people getting very sick and even dying. It's in times like that, where do we go? You know, early nations fathers, when they were going along and they were about taking 13 colonies and a ragtag bunch of people who were called an army to go against the largest and one of the richest nations in the land, they got on their knees and called out to God. They wrote a constitution that at every part they came and stopped and they got on their knees and prayed. It's at that time that David, or the psalmist here, tells us what we need to do. Notice he tells us what the source is. I will lift up my eyes unto the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Now this psalm is part of 15 psalms that are called the Psalms of Sense where the children of Israel would head up to the chances of going to ceremonies in Israel, religious ceremonies, and they would have to climb the mount to get to Jerusalem, the mountain. And they would see how big an obstacle it was in their way and the problems that they could have as they were climbing up the mountain to get to Jerusalem. But notice what it tells us here is it says it looks beyond. Your help, we need to look beyond the mountain, the problems in your life, all through the psalms here, and especially in the hundreds. We find them praising God and how God works in altering certain ways, how He is affectionate to them, how He loves them. But He uses this one word, Yahweh, the Lord, if you notice it's in big caps, because the word Yahweh" was the word that they use, and he means that He's the Lord, God of the universe. And that Yahweh was such a special name to the rabbinics who wrote the the scriptures again and again. That what they would do is when they came to that word, they would wash themselves. And they would throw their pen away and get out a new pen and have a fresh pen and ink to write that sacred name. That's how sacred it was to them. And they wrote that name because this God was the one we were to look up to. And sometimes we find it in our society, especially in our technological society, and in our world, that people will look to so many other things for their help. Some people will look to anything they can. Some people will look to a good job. Some people will look to a good friend. Some people think that if they had just the right good doctor... That they'd be healed. Some think it would come with a good lawyer. Others think it would come with a good church or a good preacher. Or maybe even some good choices in food. They wouldn't have the problems. Or maybe they'd find a good book. Or if they had good knowledge or somebody with good investments. In fact, how many times have we seen people wrapped around grocery or candy stores? Package stores? And they'd be looking for that good ticket to win the lottery. That's what's going to save them. The Bible doesn't say that here today. The Bible says, our help comes from the Lord. And the psalmist knows, consciously he knows that we're limited. All these answers to our problems are limited. And they can't solve our problems. And what we have here today is that the psalmist is making a declaration of dependence. Not independence, but dependence on the Lord. He is talking about accomplishing things through God. My help comes from the Lord. And he makes a definite decision and says, I will trust in the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people who look for a lot of things to to trust in. Some people trust in the future. I mean, you watch TV late at night and you'll see, come on with these things. If you call these girls, they really know your future and they can tell you what's ahead of you. Other times you'll find people who will talk about what's around them and what their friends are doing. And what's going to help them in their life. And there's other people who look down. And that's what holds them back. They can't see the future because they're looking down and they're not looking upon the Lord. They're not looking for his help. And so they're looking down. I remember one time when we, after we built this church, there was a lady who had come here for nine months. And she came to make a, uh, an announcement about a prayer group that she was starting in our church. And as she looked up, she looked up and she went like this. She never saw the cross in nine months. She always walked in with her head down and never saw the beauty of this cross. And that's what happens in life with people. Some of them look down and they can't see past the things that have happened or what people have said to them in the past. You know my story. How there were people who, uh, teachers and guidance counselors who said to me, you're not going to make anything. You're too stupid to know. And then when I got my doctorate, my sister wrote in my book, she said, wouldn't they be surprised now? Because I refused to look down. I looked up to the Lord for his deliverance and for his strength to continue to persevere through school and to do the things that were necessary. And some people have a problem, too, looking in their rearview mirror of what happened to them in the past. When you're driving down the road and you're focusing on your mirror, you're going to crash your car. If you keep on looking at the past. And back behind you. And this is what happens with people. They get themselves in the past. And the hurts and the things that happen to them. And they can't see it. And God says you were made. I made you for a special purpose. And when you see that. And you look towards him. That's what this passage is about. Is my help comes from the Lord. He's the one who created this whole thing. He had the wisdom to make our DNA and put us all together. That's phenomenally. The the incredibility of of what God has done with with his genius. How he made our bodies. How he put the universe together. It's incredible. And this is what the, the psalmist is saying. It's the Lord who made heaven and earth with all this wisdom. And all this knowledge and how he put us together with our DNA and how this wonderful, ingenious way he did it. This is the one who we go to. This is the one who we give to. You know, if you go to the Bible, and I love reading the Bible because the history in it shows us men and women who have faith that conquered. And how did they conquer? Because they continue to look to God, not to themselves. Not to their future trying to figure it out. Or not to the people around them. They look to God. You think about Moses. Backed up against the Red Sea. The the Egyptians are coming toward them, And the children of Israel are in his face saying. Moses what did you do? You put us in a mess. We're going to die. We had it better when we were sitting back in Egypt. At least we had something to eat. And we're going to remain alive. We're going to die here. But what did Moses do? He looked up. He saw the Lord, and he went ahead. You take the same thing with Joshua. Joshua and Caleb went out to uh, spy out the land with the other spies. And the other spies came back and said, They're bigger than us. They're they're much greater. We're never going to get into Canaan. And Joshua and Caleb looked to the Lord and said, No, the Lord will give us the victory. He said he would. They trusted in their Lord, and they gained the victory over Canaan. You think about Joseph, thrown in jail several times, thrown under the bus by his brothers. And here, left alone, but he still looked. He looked up. And what did the Lord do? He made him second in command of Egypt. Or you think of Daniel. Daniel, who, who was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were told that they are to eat certain things, and they did not. And they were very respectful, and they ate their own stuff and got healthier. And then they were told not to bow down to God, but only to the, the God of, 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 the, of Nebuchadnezzar. And they wouldn't. Instead, they listened to God, and they were thrown into the furnace. And guess what? They had fireproof suits on. They didn't get burned. And what happened to them? They had a fourth person in there with them in the fiery furnace. And when they were let out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because they looked up to the Lord. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, he was thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he was looking up to God and would not bow down to anybody else. And then when he got out of that den, he still looked up to his God. Why? Because he said, I will. I will. I will look to the heavens, the God of the heavens, who will provide for me. Hezekiah was given 15 more years of his life. Why? Because he looked up to the Lord. And we see it. Nehemiah come down off the walls from building Jerusalem, and instead of not, he would not come down. He's because he was why he was looking to the Lord. And Hosea, <laughs> he was babysitting his children while his wife was out fiddling around. But he showed a witness of God's love because he was looking to God. Because he said, I will lift my eyes to the Lord. And we need to do that too. No matter what we're going through. No matter where we've been through. We need to look to the Lord for our deliverance. And that's hard sometimes. That's very difficult when things don't seem to be going our way. God is the creator, though. He's got the wisdom. I love the Westminster Confession where it says, God, the creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence. According to the infallible knowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his will. To praise of the glory and wisdom and power, justice, goodness, and mercy. What a difference. When we look to God. We trust him. Things don't happen by chance, folks. Things don't happen by fate. God is in control. And our confidence relies on God. Like the woman who said to her husband as he prayed that God would take care of his kids while he was away with her and the kids. And she said, and do you think he doesn't take care of us while you're here too? He does. That's the God that we have. And that's why we have him as our source. And then we have our confidence. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber slumber. Or sleep. You see this God that we have. Does not fall asleep on the job. He doesn't give up. When things are going bad. He's on top of it. All the time. And knows exactly what you need. And what I need. And sometimes we have things. That just turn us upside down. Crises in our lives. That can easily throw us. Into a tailspin. But he says this God. Doesn't fall asleep on us. He doesn't slumber at any time. He doesn't miss a trick in your life. He knows exactly what you need. And he allows certain things to come in your life and disruptions and things to really shake you down. Because he wants you, his child, to be the best. He protects us from accidents. He allows certain things and even puts things in our life to make us shake. And there are no accidents with God, not one accident. He knows exactly what you need. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't fall asleep on the job. I do. I remember one time I was uh, uh, substituting up in Mays, and I got a text from the principal there. And they said, um, We're concerned about you because this student took a picture of you sleeping at the teacher's desk, while I was substituting. And it was during the time when my, uh, um, uh, my a-fib was going on, and I was actually falling asleep at times, until they got it regulated and figured out. And I did. And I apologized and said I won't let that happen again, so I stood the rest of the time. But folks, God doesn't sleep. And He knows exactly what you need. He, works through those things and knows exactly what is happening. And we don't know why. We get our minds all turned up and our lives all turned up and there are things that are very troubling that happen. Monday I was on the treadmill at the Y over here in Northwest Y. And I looked at my Facebook phone and it was from Pastor Larry Wren from Pathways Church. And he told the story about his daughter-in-law was taking their, his grandchildren. His son was staying in Chicago to work, and they were going to go down to Tennessee to see her folks. And on the way, her car went off the road, and she was in ICU in Paducah, Kentucky. And that the kids were injured, and one of their twins was killed. And then he put a note on there, this has been our second grandchild who's been killed. And my heart went out for him, as we all. We can imagine what it would be like to lose a child or a grandchild. And we wrestle with why would God allow this to happen? And it's at those times that we really need The strength of God, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because you lean on your own understanding. You could go all many places. But in trusting God, he gives you the faith to be able to deal with such a deep and hurtful and sad experiences in their life. And it is tough. We can't handle something like that in our own sufficiency. We need God's help. He who helps us. And sometimes we can go to dark places with that. I was reading about Martin Luther, the head of the Re- Reformation. And Martin Luther battled with depression pretty strongly and discouragement. And in his depression, one morning he was so dark, his wife came down for breakfast and was dressed in totally in black. And he said, honey, what's what's the deal with you? Why are you in black? She said, oh, haven't you heard? God is dead. God is dead. He's not dead. She said, but you're acting like he is. And he got the message. His faith was jarred. It was filled with the darkness. And he needed more than just, he needed God's strength to overcome that. Many of you know people who deal with depression, and it's not an easy thing. They need power of God to help them through that. And sometimes in those dark spots, in those dark situations, we have a hard time wrestling with our faith when things like that happen. During World War II, I was reading about a a soldier who got separated from his Marine Corps group and the Japanese were chasing them, and he hid in a cave, and he prayed and asked God to deliver him to put a, build a wall in front of the cave. And when the Japanese came, they didn't come in the cave. It was because there had been a spider that put a spider web totally over the cave. And they thought nobody could have run in there because there was a spider web over it. And it saved his life. And he doubted whether God would spare him. And here, God spared him with a spider web. We don't know what God has in store for us. We have this one who's beyond our mind and our imagination, who is great and awesome. And when we go through those difficult things, it's easy to despair and feel great sorrow and hurt and anger. And yet, The psalmist tells us our confidence is in him and he will help us. He keeps us, does not slumber or sleep. He's right on top of what we're going through and he knows what we are of and he will help us. And then the third thing the Bible here tells us today that he's our shield. The Lord's our keeper. He keeps us. And the shade on the right hand. And the sun will not smite us by day. Nor the moon by night. It's a consistent shield. Watching over us. You the child of God. He has so purposely in his love and care. Knows exactly what you need. He knows the very vessels in your body. He knows the very little cells in your body. And He has you and cares for you and will protect you. The travelers would go up to Jerusalem and they would know that the sun would be unbearable at times and could easily burn them up. That they'd die of thirst. And that night, the moon The old lunar idea came from the moon and lunatics. People would get crazy with the moon. And here he's saying neither the moon nor the sun. And he's making a mirrorism here of how much he has watching over you and over me. And how he protects us from both the visible pearls and also the invisible pearls and trials. He knows, my friend, who's filled with cancer, knows what's going on in her body, knows Frank's situation in hospice, knows what's going on in this keeping him and has plans for him still. As he moves forward to his death. That's our God. He also knows the visible pearls that we face. In this violent society. Usually we have a family that's in here. That on Sunday mornings. And the fellow who that is the dad. His mom lives over by Gal in 13th. And this past week, as she came home in the dark to put her car away, a group of young men tried to carjack her car and then took a gun and shot at her. And God protected her from being wounded or shot and having her gone, her car stolen the visible pearls. The Bible here says to us, the sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. He's your keeper. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who has us. He's our shield. He's our shield of protection. I was reading the beautiful historical story about Minnesota And how back in 1876, their crops were threatened. And the governor, Pillsbury, came along and said, we need to pull the kids out of school. We need to stop everything and have prayer. Can you imagine if somebody did that today out of politics? But he did that. And guess what happened? They had... First, people were skeptical and said, what's he doing? Why hasn't God taken this away? And instead, heat came. Three days of heat. And the larva was growing. And farmers were scared to death that they were going to lose everything. And then on the fourth day, a freeze came. And took all the larva and killed it. And guess what? It spared the crop. The Bible says this. We lift up our eyes to the one who protects us. And look at what the scope of it is. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out. And your coming in from this time forth and forever. God, our Lord, this one will protect us and keep us. He will watch over you and me as we look to him. Our eyes need to be trained on him as we go through life's journey. And there are many difficulties that we will face, but he will keep you. He will help you through those things if you keep your eyes on Him, as you trust Him, as He grows you with the things that He throws at you, because He loves you, and as He watches every aspect of your life. You know, that's the amazing thing to me, that God knows everything I do, everything that I say, Even before I say them. This is how great this God is. And once again, we're told by Scripture that he has a purpose in each event that is thrown into our lives. And that he says that nothing, this is how protected we are, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ in our lives. When we look to him, nothing will separate you from his power. Nothing. Nothing could take that away. Nothing could remove it from you. And remind yourself every day that he's by your side. That he cares about you. And that whether you're going through a difficulty or not in your life, he is there walking with you. But you need to look like the great believers of the Old Testament and the New. When they're thrown in jail, what did Paul and Silas do? Did they whine and they get angry with God and doubt him? No, they praise God what they were going through, that he was teaching them something. Is that where you're at? Do you see him protecting you through those times? Do you see him by your side even though the circumstance you're going through is difficult? He's your protector forever. And he will guide you through the places that you go through and care for you and watch over your soul as you trust him by faith and you give yourself to him. And what we find, you see, I don't know if you've been around Jewish people, but when I grew up, I was around a lot of Jewish homes. And one of the things that if you notice on the right panel in their door, There's a little metal box. It's called a mezuzah. And what it is, is every time they walked into the house or every time they left the house, they touch it and say a little prayer. God, watch over me. And it was a trusting thing to remind them that God was watching over all that they were going through and that he would care for them. And I want to remind you today, get anything out of the sermon, that as we look to God, we keep our eyes focused on heaven. Paul says, set your eyes on the things of heaven where God's glory and power are there. And as he watches and guides you through this life, that you know you can make it because God is there. And he will carry you through it because God is there. He's directing it because he loves you and wants the best for you. And that we don't have to worry. You know, sometimes it's easy to get worried. I don't know about you, but sometimes I worry. I have a lot of friends who said, I've quit watching TV. I've quit watching the news. I'm so disgusted. I don't want to see it anymore because there's nothing good on it and it's all negative. And it just gives me more to worry about. And you know, here we are. I think about my kids, my grandkids. What kind of society are they gonna be brought up in? And you look at the issues. You look at, they're staggering. The debt that we're getting into, the inflation that we have, that's gonna come on even majorly, that's really being held back right now by the stimulus packages that we've been given. But that's going to end. And you look at this, all the stuff and the increase in violence in our city, in our city, in, in, in Duda here. We're not talking about L.A. or Chicago. We're talking about Wichita, Kansas is even skyrocketing. And violent crime is skyrocketing. And it's so easy to worry But the psalm gives us the solution. Look to God. Pray. Trust Him with it. Dave, you're not going to fix it. God has to fix it. God has to bring revival to this nation. We need to bring morals and values back into the lives of even the young children today. Don't worry about it. God is saying, I've got this. And he does. <laughs> I was reading a story about Oliver Cromwell. He dispatched one of his ambassadors to go to a place to solve a problem with the country. And they usually sent a servant with them. And the servant went alongside him, and they slept in this motel. But the ambassador just could not sleep. He was worried about all the stuff that was going on. He's worried about his own embassy. And he was turning and tossing, and he looked over at the servant, and the servant was sound asleep. And finally, the servant heard him stirring and woke up and said, What's, what's the problem? He said, I, I am so worried about these things that I have to do. And, and the servants and master, can I ask you a few questions? He said, sure. He said, did you rule the world before you were born? Well, no, God did. And when you die, are you going to rule the world then? Well, no, God will. He said, well, When you're dead, or or, or now, why don't you just let God let down? And it's very easy, folks, for us to try to take it and be in control of it. And God is in control. And we need to just look to him for our help. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, right now we come to you And with a world that's constantly in flux and a lot of craziness around us, it's so easy to forget that we need to look to you. And we need to trust you because you're our help and our salvation and our protector and our shield. Lord, give us that kind of faith to walk these days with you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. At this time, we'll receive our communion. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we're about to celebrate is a feast that we remember, that we commune, and that we have hope. And we have remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sent by the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and fulfill for all obedience to the divine law, even the bitter and shameful death on the cross. And by his death and resurrection and ascension, he renewed us a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation, that we are accepted by this holy God and we will never be forsaken by him. We come to have communion, too, with the same Christ, who's promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the heavenly bread, which strengthens us unto eternal life. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us in the vine, in whom we must abide if to bear fruit. And thirdly, he comes in hope believing that the bread and the cup are a pledge of his foretaste, of his great feast that we will be in when his kingdom finally comes, when with unveiled face we will behold Jesus, and that will be made just like him in his glory. Since by his death and resurrection and ascension he has obtained for us this love-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, sorry to receive this supper, in true brotherly and sisterly love, mindful of the communion of saints. He invites us now to come, for all things are now ready. Father, we thank you for your love that has sent your son Jesus to die for us and to wash away our sins. And we remember that and we are so thankful that we can commune with you and that you can abide in us because of that and that we never have to be fearful of our sin because it's been paid for. Lord, we thank you now for the future hope that we have in Jesus who will be with you again. In your name we pray, amen. The Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. Amen. In like manner, he took the cup. And when they had supped, he said, this is a covenant in my blood. This do you as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. of Christ, so of the blood of Jesus Christ spilled on our behalf. Praise you, God, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who sent your Son to die, to feel all the pain and the suffering for our sin, so that we would never have to feel any of that and that by your grace we've received it and lord we just give you thanks we ask you lord now as we go out here bless us with your holy spirit to live lives that people see christ in us as we walk and as we lift up our eyes to you every day and it's in your name we pray christ amen please rise as we close with our benediction and we sing our closing song. And now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, now
2: and forever. Amen.